All right, we want to turn our attention now to God's Word and to Genesis 32, this story that was read for us this morning. If you have a Bible, you can open there to verse 22 of chapter 32 of Genesis. If you're using the Bible in the seat back in front of you, it is on page 25, right near the very beginning. Genesis 32, 22 to 32. Many of us are quite familiar with this story about Jacob. And um, the thing is, though, when you stop and think about it, this is a pretty strange story, isn't it? I mean, a wrestling match in the middle of the night. Why a wrestling match? Now, I know there are a lot of spiritual lessons that this story teaches. Perhaps it represents Jacob's inner struggles or um, his, his inner spiritual conflict with God. But let's not over-spiritualize this story too much. I mean, don't forget that this is a real move-by-move -move wrestling match, down in the dust, back and forth, head over heels. I mean, this episode is so real that Jacob walks away from it with a limp. Why a wrestling match? Isn't it strange? I mean, can you think of any other character in the Bible who got into a wrestling match or a boxing match or a judo match? Why here? Why now? Why a wrestling match? Is it because the writer of Genesis thought the story was getting a little slow, a little dull at this point, and wanted to spice it up a bit with, you know, an ancient version of the, the world wrestling entertainment? Uh, maybe the PWE, the Patriarchs Wrestling Entertainment Network? So, some late-night entertainment to recapture our interest in the story? Why a wrestling match? Do any of you, as, as you look back on your spiritual journey, do you point to the importance of a wrestling match, maybe back in high school or college, and, and when you tell your, the story of your faith journey, you're sure to tell the part about the wrestling match and what a spiritual impact that had on you. Why here? Why Jacob? Why a wrestling match? Notice also Jacob doesn't ask for this wrestling match. He doesn't instigate it or even expect it. Jacob is preoccupied with his own business his own problems. He's just helped move his family and all of his belongings across a river at night. This was a dangerous undertaking. And now Jacob's all alone with his thoughts in the dark. And then seemingly out of nowhere, this mysterious figure just, just leaps out of the shadows and jumps Jacob in the dark. Who is this assailant? Was he lying in wait for Jacob? Does he have something against Jacob? Is he trying to hurt him? What, was he just looking for someone to wrestle late at night and, and poor Jacob happened to be the guy who came along? Again, I ask, why a wrestling match? I mean, Jacob has already had a hard enough week as it is. If you go back a chapter in the story, Jacob has just run away from his father-in-law Laban. Laban had, had then chased after Jacob with armed men. And, and when, when Laban caught up with Jacob, Jacob narrowly escaped getting himself and his family killed or having to kill Laban and some of his relatives. As it was, Jacob and Laban wound up having a, a gut-wrenching argument and, and saying a painful and angry goodbye forever, broken relationships with family. And no sooner is that over, and no doubt Jacob is still hurting and smarting and grieving from it, that Jacob has now got to face his estranged brother Esau. The two didn't exactly part on uh, friendly terms 
years before. In fact, Esau had been plotting to murder Jacob. That's why Jacob had left home in the first place and gone to live with his father-in-law Laban. Now Jacob's returning home, and when Esau finds out that Jacob's coming, Jacob learns that Esau is headed his way with a small army. Jacob has enough problems already. Why now, on top of it all, a wrestling match? It's late at night. Jacob has a big day tomorrow. Jacob may need to fight tomorrow to protect his wives and his children. Jacob needs his sleep. Jacob needs to conserve his strength. In the morning, he, he needs to be strong to protect himself and the ones he loves. Why here? Why now? Why a hip-crippling, energy-draining, strength-sapping wrestling match? Well, let me ask you a question. Is it possible to be too strong for your own good? Jacob is a man of Herculean strength. Do you realize that? Let me point out um, how we know. First, in this midnight, midnight wrestling match in our story, um, Jacob's wrestling partner is either God or an angel representing God and, and can't overpower Jacob. Now, I realize this raises some theological problems, and I'm not going to solve them all this morning. <laughs> but, but, but the point is, it shows just how strong Jacob is. Second, if you go further back in the Jacob story, there's a scene by a well where Jacob meets his future bride, Rachel. It's in chapter 29. And, and in that story, there's a stone over the well which needs to be removed before the shepherds who use that well can water their flocks. And the shepherds tell Jacob that they can't remove the stone until all of them are there because evidently the stone is so heavy that it takes all the shepherds who use the well together to be able to move it. So what does Jacob do? He just single-handedly moves the stone. That's how strong Jacob is. Jacob is big. Jacob is rugged. Jacob is a survivor. Jacob can take care of himself. And he's not just all brawn and no brain. No, Jacob is a clever, clever schemer too. If you know the story of Jacob, Jacob figures out how to steal both his brother Esau's blessing and his birthright. And Jacob also figures out how to take possession of the best of his father-in-law Laban's flocks and herds without doing anything wrong. He, he schemes it. He figures it out. Jacob is an ambitious, able, crafty, self-sufficient guy. The kind of guy who has what it takes to succeed and to wind up living in a place like Westchester or Putnam County. Jacob is strong in every way, and that's exactly his problem. And now Jacob stands on the edge of the, the Jabbok River, which marks the boundary back home into God's promised land, the land of promise, the land of blessing. And so Jacob's at the, the gateway of all the, the blessings that God has promised him. But Jacob is also surrounded by all the problems and the conflicts that his strength has caused him. Jacob is too strong for his own good. He's too strong to be able to enter into and to enjoy all that God wants to give him. That's why a wrestling match. Have you ever been too strong for your own good? 
Have you ever been too capable, too talented, too affluent? Have you ever wanted something so badly that instead of seeking God and, and trusting God, you did whatever it took yourself to, to make it happen, and you wound up messing it up? I have. Sometimes God has to wrestle us to the ground before he can bless us. Sometimes God has to kick out all of our supports before he can support us. Sometimes God has to empty our hands before he can fill them up again. And sometimes when we're strong and self-sufficient like Jacob is, it takes a wrestling match. Now notice Jacob starts off in this wrestling match, matching God move for move, standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with God. Jacob is bringing all of his great strength to this encounter, and God can't overpower Jacob. So what does God do? In God's mercy, God weakens Jacob. He touches Jacob's hip, dislocating it. You know, your biggest, most powerful muscles are, are your thigh muscles connected to your hip. And in wrestling, I'm told, your, kip, your hip is your, your key pivot point from which all of your moves flow. In other words, your hip is, is your key point of strength. And so God touches the place of Jacob's greatest strength, weakening him. And from that point in the wrestling match, what does Jacob do? He, he doesn't have the strength to win, to overpower anymore. God in his mercy has taken that away. But that doesn't mean Jacob gives up. No. Jacob may no longer have the strength to, to struggle to overpower. But Jacob still has the strength to struggle or the will to, to struggle to cling, to, to hold on and not let go. And that's exactly what we see Jacob doing. Weakened hurting. Jacob clings to God with all that he's got, begging God for God's blessing. He says to God, I won't let you go until you bless me. You know, God likes it when we are respectful and yet when we're bold and tenacious. When in our weakness, we, we struggle and strive not, not to overcome God, but to cling to God and not to let go until God answers our prayers. Well, God had already promised to bless Jacob, if, if you know the Jacob story. Much earlier, several times in the story, he promised to bless Jacob. Jacob didn't need to ask God to bless him again. So why does Jacob ask again? Well, Maybe with all the problems around him now, Jacob was doubting God's faithfulness. I mean, we've all, we've all gotten scared and doubted, right? Those promises kind of fade away. We have trouble believing that they're still true. Or, or maybe Jacob was feeling guilty as he's realized how badly he'd messed up God's plans. And, and he knew he didn't deserve God's blessings anymore, and he was afraid that he disqualified himself. Well, either way, now Jacob clings to God, refusing to let go until God blesses him again, until God reiterates and reinforces and reaffirms his promises to Jacob. And God does bless him again, doesn't he? He does. 
God gives Jacob what, what Jacob needs, what Jacob is longing for as Jacob is feeling scared and, and, and threatened and, and still bruised and battered from his broken relationship with Laban. And, and now facing, he assumes, the violent wrath of his brother Esau, who has every region, reason to take uh, revenge on Jacob. Though Jacob doesn't deserve it, God chooses to bless him again. And God wants to bless us too. In fact, God has promised to bless us. If you uh, read Galatians 3.14, listen to what God says there. Christ redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham, who was Jacob's grandfather, might come to us, the Gentiles, through Christ Jesus. Paul is saying here that this blessing which passed from Abraham to his son Isaac, then to his son Jacob, and on to all of their descendants, is now available to all of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ. If our faith is in Christ, then God wants to bless us. God has promised to bless us. But sometimes, God has to wrestle us to the ground before he can bless us. Because in your strength, in my strength, I have a way of messing up the blessings like Jacob was so good at doing. But God loves me, God loves you too much to let us mess up the blessings. He loved Jacob too much to let Jacob lose the blessings. And so Jacob stood there that night at the Jabbok River at the edge of the promised land. Jacob stood on the brink of all the blessings that God had for him. Blessings which in Jacob's strength he was right in the middle of messing up. And God challenged Jacob to a wrestling match. Sometimes there's no other way. God, in his love, has to wrestle us to the ground before he can bless us. And the next morning, after that wrestling match, the sun rose on a new man. A man with a limp, but a blessed man. A man who had learned to cling to God and to never let go. That was a man God could bless. So if you're going through life and God jumps you in the dark <laughs> and challenges you to a wrestling match, don't assume it's because God is against you. Remember, sometimes we are too strong for our own good. And God has to wrestle us to the ground before God can bless us. Okay, application. How does this apply to our series on following Jesus? Jacob was following God in the Old Testament. Today in the New Testament, we're following Jesus. And that's what we're talking about over these next weeks. So as we go through our lives and we experience troubles and we experience trials, some of us may experience some of them this week, who knows? But we experience the sorts of things or, or different sorts of things similar to what Jacob experienced in this story. We may find ourselves wrestling with God. And, and there's a good chance to use language we've been using. Maybe it's new for some of you. I'll explain in a minute what it is. It's a good chance that, that this, these trials we go through are a kairos moment. That these problems, these struggles, that they're, that they're kairos moments. Remember, we've been using this word kairos from Mark 1.15 to refer to moments in our lives where, 
where Jesus is breaking in. Jesus is trying to get our attention. A kairos is Jesus coming to us and pressing in on us and saying, okay, it's time to move. It's time to grow. It's time to change. And often trials do this. They get our attention. God uses them to press in on us. As C.S. Lewis once put it, pain is God's megaphone. And some of us are so spiritually deaf, sometimes we need a megaphone to get the message, right? When things get tough, often God uses that toughness to get our attention. Not that God has necessarily caused the trouble, but, but rather that God, in, in his love for us, is going to use that trouble, is going to take advantage of it to redeem it, to make something beneficial of it, to take us to a new place spiritually. And so when we're in a trial, here's the challenge we often place. This is the thing we often wrestle with God about. Um, Larry Crabb, the well-known Christian psychologist in his book, Finding God, puts it this way. When we're going through something tough, he asks, what do we want more? Do we want more to feel better? Or do we want more to find God? In that trial, in that difficulty, that, that painful struggle, do we want to just feel better? Or do we want to find God in the midst of it? To just have our pain go away as quickly as possible or, or to find God in and through his pain like Jacob does in this story. That's often what we wrestle with God about, which decision we're going to make. That maybe very often is our Kairos moment. Because Jesus' agenda is often different from ours, right? Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles. You will. Jesus didn't promise to always give us a smooth road, but, but here's what we can count on Jesus for. Jesus always wants to redeem every trial, to not let it go to waste, to not let us suffer for nothing. No, Jesus wants to use our trials to, to let them be like a furnace to purify our faith, to deepen and strengthen it, to, to sweeten our character, to draw us closer into his heart. And this may not be what we want, and it may not be what we value. We may just value our own comfort as quickly as possible. But Jesus is trying to teach us to value these greater things. And so as we face this kind of kairos, we may wrestle with God about whether we're going we're gonna to learn and we're going to from, grow from our trial or we're just going to run from it or get over it as quickly as possible. And in the discussion group this morning, we'll... we'll um, We'll talk more about this. We'll talk about some uh, examples of trials and challenges that, that we face and what it looks like to follow Jesus in these and to go around the circle up here um, and, and to learn um, what God wants us to learn through them. Um, but you also might just want prayer. And uh, there'll be some folks in the lounge right after the service who'd be willing to pray for you if you're going through something, if you're wrestling through something. They'd be happy to, to pray with you, so look for them. Do we know who's going to be in there? Do we have those little ribbons? Or? Yeah, we will. Okay, so some people with some little blue, blue ribbons. I think Joanne Borchers will be in there, maybe Terrence, maybe a few other people, so you can look for them. All right, let's, let's pray now as we close. God, we all... 
um, live on this planet and we're, we're not naive. We know that there are great, wonderful times and there are rough, difficult times, even in Westchester County, where we try to insulate ourselves as best we can from the harsher realities of life. And we thank you for your many, many blessings. And um, we can't always avoid the trials, and so we pray that as we go through them, that we would allow you to get our attention. And that we would have open hearts to seek you out. Sometimes we begin just by asking why. We begin angry. We begin feeling betrayed by you. But I pray that as we wrestle with you, we'll come to the place of clinging to you, of um, opening ourselves up to your agenda for us, your grace toward us, that, that deeper grace, which isn't just a Christmas present, but it's a deep surgery, which often hurts, but leaves us healthier and wholer than we were before. Help us to help one another as we go through those times. And I pray that, like Jacob, we would grow into blessed people, not headstrong, willful people, but people who walk with you closely, trust you, and ultimately live and experience your blessings. Amen.